Hello and welcome to another episode of Candid Talks with Bharat Me. This is Bharat Watsa, your host. Today on the show we have Sanobar Pardiwala, India's only stunt woman artist of Bollywood, who also has gone through the most difficult training in the world in Shaolin Temple, China. She also is a biker, a fitness trainer, a nutritionist, a mental health coach. and a clinical hypnotherapist so let's hear about her stunts experiences the challenges she faced during the most difficult training of shaolin temple and the other aspects of her life please do listen to this episode till the end before we begin please do not forget to subscribe to this podcast channel and you can connect with me on my facebook page at candid talks with bharat v so let's welcome sanobar pardiwala सिनोबो पार्टी वाला इंडिया ओनली स्टैंड वुमेन आर्टिस्ट ऑफ बॉलीवुड और आप मुझे सुन रहे हैं ऑन कैंडेड टॉक्स विद भारत बी हाय सनोबो वेलकम टू कैंडेड टॉक्स विद भारत वी हाउ आर यू डूइंग इन दिस पैंडमिक हाय भारत आई एम डूइंग गुड हाउ हैव यू बीन डूइंग well doing good quite hectic though so working almost 14 hours a day so wow yeah so tell wow. me uh, sanobar uh, how did the covid impact film industry now you coming from the film industry background and we'll proceed further to the other part of the questions but just wanted to understand how overall it has impacted the film industry well it has impacted the film industry quite bad because a lot of movies are stopped and um, a lot of projects were stuck up a lot of projects were stopped and what mm-hmm. has happened is there has been a huge gap it's not been like you know it's stalled for a uh, month or so it's been like almost now a year and okay. yeah it's and you know there is a good chunk of money involved it's a huge sum of money crores and crores of uh, ru- rupees just stalled for nothing Mm-hmm. so yes it's a huge pinch on the producers pocket which kind of you know it's like a long chain so it's you know it, it's a domino that just falls on to every single person who's working in the industry be it from the small scale worker to the largest producer it's kind of really hit everyone and now that covid is uh, i mean work has started mm-hmm. i'd say rather than covid now that work has started everyone is just waiting to finish their projects but even after they finish their projects there is a huge amount of uncertainty as to you know theaters opening and movies getting released and you know how the way the financial rollout happens for a film so everyone is pretty stressed about it and it's just a wait and watch as to see what happens okay so um and and i believe the same situation would be for the tv uh, industry as well because there were many uh, episodes which were being repeat telecast and now i'm seeing now they have started coming out with the new episodes of various different uh, uh on various different channels so i think it's the same for the tv as well 
Oh yes, absolutely. It's the same for the TV channel shows because those TV channel shows and the daily episodes, the soap episodes that we see, they were supposed to be. They are weekly scheduled. Yes. You know, they have yes. that timeline. They have that timeline to finish the X number of episodes, yeah. the X number of shows. That frame line, and now suddenly imagine seven months. So they are running seven months back to what they were. So naturally, they had to play repeated telecasts and uh. stuffs like that. So how do you take care of uh, you know how do you take all the precautions during the uh, shooting that you do because um, there are multiple uh, you know people involved you know there'll be so many members in your staff and uh, going places for doing the shoots and mm-hmm. meeting different people so how do you make sure that you know you guys every everyone is protected and everyone is taking precautions and they do not uh, catch any any virus or something or they do not get any uh, come in contact you know each shoot like post the lockdown i must have completed five projects and with each of the five projects i was uh, tested for covid beforehand a day okay. prior to shoot. Uh, every every single staff and every single member is tested for covid and on set also mask is mandatory until and unless you're performing or you're doing your scene or you're in front of the camera mm-hmm. mask is pretty much mandatory for every single person and now it has become so much so that everyone is uh, you know it's become a habit to kind of be consciously taking care of yourself rather than someone asking you to mm-hmm. so everyone with those uh, disinfectant sprays in their bags in fact even i carry one okay. so uh, every time you're in a vanity or you know you're sitting on a chair or you're doing certain things where you know there have been several people there mm-hmm. yet you're you know working in that scenario there are definite hand sanitizers and stuffs like that so yes a lot of precaution is taken even food is ordered from uh, one particular spot normally we would order from a subway or things like that but mm-hmm. now since everything is you know they are trying to take control and there is a good amount of people involved on a shoot minimum 50 to anywhere up to 50 to 100 people are involved on one particular shoot so when yeah. that happens of uh, chances and there are many reasons for the infection to you know get in so a yeah. lot of our stuffs are uh, sanitized even when you enter on the set itself your bags your clothes and everything is sanitized so there is a good amount of precaution which is taken care of okay so it's kind of uh, it's it's actually become a new normal for everyone then I mean, <laughs> oh yes in fact i was thinking with bharat the entire movie got postponed for a month we were supposed to do this in uh, november 30th we did it mm-hmm. by december now closing to 30th mm-hmm. and uh, that was only delayed because two actors were covid positive oh so during the shooting uh, in front of the camera that time so i think uh, uh, the actors uh, will have to take off the mask yes. right and at them no one is very close to their face yeah. right yeah 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 no one anyways the ideal distance is to be 6 feet and when you are in front of a camera i mean you still have a 6 feet radius <laughs> in yeah, their right face okay enough of covid let's let's come back to the main drag <laughs> so yeah. uh, sonobai you are india's only stunt woman artist of bollywood industry and uh, apart from that you also are a biker a fitness trainer nutritionist mental health coach and a clinical hypnotherapist yes so who according to you is sanobar padiwala if i may ask well if you ask then uh, every single profession that i am carrying is my passion and uh, this is something really interests me and that is the only reason i am doing it mm-hmm. so yes 
with strengths, that's me. With fitness training, that's me because I really am intrigued by human physiology. I'm, mm-hmm. It really fascinates me to understand food as nutrition and mm-hmm. not uh, uh, food to be taken with medicine. This is my ideology of life and I would rather choose to have food as medicine than medicine as, uh, you know, food. food. Okay. So, yes, that is the reason I am a nutritionist also because that's where I wanted to learn and understand and go deeper into it so that, you know, it kind of clears your mind and it brings in a good amount of uh, clarity towards yourself. And about mental health, yes, that is also something which I realized that, you know, uh, maybe after a couple of years when I reach a good old age, I might not want to do so much of hustling and moving around. Mm-hmm. And if I would settle in one place, I think uh, mental health uh, would really be a very good uh, line for me because that really human mind is really fascinating for me. And I've been practicing it and I'm still practicing it. So yes, that's what me is all about. Okay. So how did you get into film industry, uh, Sanobar? And, and why did you decide to become the stunt artist only? And why not any other actor? And I believe you started at a very early age of yours, I believe, right? Yes, I started at the age of 12. So how mm-hmm. I entered was an audition that I had to do for Aishwarya Rai. And uh, I mean, I passed on that audition. All I had to do was somersault from 30 feet onto the floor. Now I did that. Uh, with doing that, the word spread like wildfire. And after that, there were shoots pouring in and there was never anything looking, turning back or looking back. And I was really enjoying it because day one, I could understand camera. I could understand lightings, you know, certain things you're very natural with. I mean, you may not, uh, you know, you could just grasp it very naturally because this is something that interests you or this is something which you are very natural at. So facing the camera was something which was very natural for me. I wasn't nervous you know, sometimes first time, a couple of times when people face cameras and with an entire unit of 50 to 100 people just looking at you and waiting for you to perform in that right position and the stance, mm. it's kind of a pressure actually. And all eyes are on you. Yay, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. And you know, there are 50 eyes just in that set on you. And so this you, you did without any training. And this was for the first time you did, right? No, not really no 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 no. i never did anything without any training so at the age of 12 i was a black belt in karate a very good swimmer and i was a gymnast okay that built reflexes to a huge 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 extent so sharper reflexes reflexes was something which is very important in performing stunts right okay it's very very important when you're performing stunts because a fraction of a second is what takes you to make that mistake and what saves you in making that decision in the fraction of a second are your reflexes. Mm-hmm. How quick they are and how quick you react to what is the most appropriate thing. Okay. So yeah, then, uh, so with that training, I started performing stunts. And later on, as I grew further into it, I have been training myself nonstop. Even till date, I kind of, uh, you know, choose to upgrade, validate my certifications and my knowledge and my skills. So mm-hmm. I am a paraglider, a skydiver, an advanced level deep sea diver. I okay. know several other martial arts and so forth, so on. So I've kind of constantly upgraded. I've taken the toughest training in the world. So not all that together at the age of 12, but as mm-hmm. I grew over the time and as I grew with years, yes, I've like each year I would have learned something for sure. And all these trainings you uh, took that was in India or it was uh, abroad as well? 
Uh, it was India and abroad. So deep sea diving was abroad. Then uh, skydiving was in India through our ex-army officials. So that was uh, with them. Then, uh, yes, as I mentioned, deep sea diving was abroad. It was in uh, Maldives and Thailand. Okay. Then uh, the toughest training in the world, that was in Shaolin Temple in China. For a month, oh, I completed that. You did that as well? I did that as well. I wow. think that was one of the takes you and it remolds you. That was indeed one of the toughest trainings because I never, you know, I used to think that I'm really strong mm-hmm. and it kind of just completely broke that. It breaks you in ways that you couldn't have ever imagined mm-hmm. and uh, it remolds you. But that breaking stage is equally painful. So there were parts of my body that used to start aching and I never knew those parts existed. Oh, this muscle exists. Then I would remember my physiology <laughs> knowledge world in the first place. You know, I mean, there are so many things that and you still have to perform and there is so much of pain and you perform with hunger, fatigue, pain. Yeah. And for that entire only thing, if I would have eaten was boiled cabbage and rice. That's it. Wow. Imagine. So Sha- Shaolin Temple, is it something, the same kind of, uh, you know, how we see those in the films, all those uh, martial art films? No, is it like that or good. something different? I had that pretty much in mind when I uh-huh. kind of enrolled it and I got selected and I worked on it. So the moment you go there, no, it is not at all that way. It is totally, I mean, movies have kind of really made a mockery of uh, Kung Fu. Yeah. And in a very comedy, they have kind of uh, put that art in a very comedial, comedy form. And it mm-hmm. isn't that way. No, in fact, uh, it is really serious. I mean, the kind of uh, knowledge that they have with acupuncture uh-huh. is really, I've experienced it myself is where I'm saying that the knowledge in Kung Fu, the weapons, I learned three weapons over there. I learned a lot of Kung Fu. I learned a lot of lots and lots of things in, in that one month. And it was killer. It was really killer. And at the same time, it was great. So is it true that, you know, they first take a test of the uh, person who wants to become a disciple and go and learn there or anybody can go there and uh, join them and learn? So sadly, what has also happened is a lot of Westerners. So a lot of poverty used to hit China and a lot of Westerners used to take advantage of it. So initially that was their, uh, the selling point. They, mm-hmm. This was their art. This was their selling point. And now it has become more of a trade wherein uh-huh. uh, people from all Western countries just come to, you know, probably do a shady course for a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. They learn everything for a week and then they just go back to their countries and open up huge centers claiming Kung Fu and claiming, you know, the several weapon forms and the forms of Kung Fu, wherein they don't even know 1% of it. So that is the reason they are that way is why you have to build their trust because even I had to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried to go to the core reason of it that why is it that, you know, uh, this is the system here. And that's where I've understood it. So a lot of things are misunderstood and, you know, kind of uh, shown with a lot of hatred, which mm-hmm. is, you know, just hatred towards them and, you know, uh, finding a notion and, you know, just making a conception about them that this is how it is. But no, in reality, once your master understands that uh, it is not that you're trying to steal their art and, you know, take it away to your country and then just open up a random, you know, big yeah. thing wherein yeah. it's not, you know, you're insulting it, basically. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's an absolute insult and you're removing them. You're just, you know, uh, bringing them down. You're killing them out. So once they realize that you're not going to misuse it 
and once they realize you're not gonna twist it and turn it any other way mm-hmm. that's when it okay. took me two weeks to that normally they don't teach any weapons in a month they taught me three weapons okay the person who was training me started believing in me and he started training me for weapons normally they don't do that they teach you weapons in the third year he taught me weapons in third week and uh, you did this entire course there for how many weeks uh for four weeks for four weeks wow for and four, four weeks you uh, learned three weapons amazing in two that's weeks nice. i learned because only after the first two weeks they started teaching me weapons huh. and that's when they realized one fine day they were like come on we got to show you something okay. i'm like what and uh, is it mandatory to know chinese or mandarin a few words and if you know a few things it would be really handy Okay. So it is Shaolin situated. You know, it's very situated also in a very difficult uh, place. So Where is it situated it, exactly? It's situated in the Guangzhou province in China. Okay. And uh, what happens is it's situated in such a place wherein even if you had to go to the nearest supermarket, it would. So this is the process to go to the nearest supermarket. A, there are no cabs, there are no scooties, there are no nothing. So you have to go everything on foot. Now from your hostel, it's a two-kilometer downhill to the temple ground. where you do your training and stuff like that from there there is another 2 km walk to the main gate from the main gate there is a 20 km bus ride to the nearest city wow which drops you at the supermarket now at the supermarket so this is the mistake that i also did at the supermarket the moment you see things you see fruits and you see food you are like pick 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 but after you pick you'll have to carry everything ah. so 2 km walk all the way to the main gate to the temple ground now the 2 km hike and that hike <laughs> is a pain hike it it's becomes a, a 20 km hike <laughs> yeah totally yeah. and on high yeah. altitude this is this is on yeah. high altitude after a point you would be like what oh, do i need that milk forget it i'll leave it here what is this <laughs> like you actually start calculating the stuff that you are carrying probably that is the reason you know they they even allow you to go to the shop, you know uh, superstore and then uh, they know that you won't be able to carry it back oh in fact the, the only reason they allow you sometimes i really felt it was a mockery because the only reason they allowed us to do that was because they knew we didn't have the energy to go all the way there mm-hmm. so they were like hey, yeah you can go whenever you want <laughs> but simply you had the energy whenever you wanted yeah Bara, twice a day you have to carry all the weapons and all your stuff down the hill to the temple ground, two oh. kilometers. That is okay. That's doable. That's all right. Mm. But now after the killer training, you still have to go back. Back. Your um, hostel was on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on top. I in fact even oh. wrote to the administration that why is the hostel situated in <laughs> that kind of a place where it could have been nearer to the temple mm-hmm. and. that was a bad thing i did because then i had to just actually go all the way up to the mountain and come back in the push up position seriously <laughs> still couldn't believe like i was more of a rebel as to you know why are you not taking a suggestion and mm-hmm. the only thing you would understand is tang you get that stick on you tang wow. you get that stick one word you speak you get a stick that's it and they do it on your hand or on your head they don't understand there is a that difference between a man and a woman and they mm. just hit you wherever it's mm. so it could be your hand it could be your back it could be your head it could be your face and since you don't want that you just quietly finally do what they ask you to <laughs> that is a uh, that that is how basically you become rough and up it does you know bharat you had to carry your own water there was no water available and the nearest water the bislery uh-huh. you know the twenty bislery yeah. ka yeah, bottle yeah 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 you had it on your shoulder 
ठीक है दैट ऑल इज फाइन सो देर आर नो फोटोज नो सर्वेंट्स नथिंग सो यू हैव टू डू ऑल बाय योरसेल्फ इट टीचेस इट बीइंग टोटली इंडिपेंडेंट व्हिच इज फाइन बट नॉट व्हेन यू आर हाफ डेड एंड यू हैव टू कैरी योर वाटर नाउ यू हैव टू कैलकुलेटिवली कैरी योर वाटर बिकॉज़ इट्स अगेन दिस रो वाओ 20 केजीज ऑन योर शोल्डर नाइस एंड इजी हैप्पी पेनफुल स्लो एट्स इट सो सो देन व्हाट वाज योर वेट व्हेन यू वेंट देयर एंड व्हाट वाज योर वेट व्हेन यू केम बैक So my weight always remained the same. It never changed, and uh, so it was to my surprise also. How is it that the weight never changed? But mm-hmm. I gained a lot of muscle mass comparatively yeah. to you know what my weight at present was. So mm-hmm. muscle weighs more than fat, and that is why my weight Probably, never yeah. actually changed on the scale. Right, maybe. So tell yeah. me something, Sunobar. I mean, every parent, you know, they want. their child either to become a doctor or an engineer or or something different you know or take up some different profession maybe a lawyer or something else but i don't think anybody would have ever thought of uh, their child to become a stunt artist especially when they know there is kind of risks involved so when you decided to become one what was the reaction of your family Well, my family initially thought that you know these are one of those crazy phases, and you know, एक दो बार let her do it, and then you know it will fizz off on its own. You know, yeah. as children, you're inventive. Uh-huh. You see something, you get fascinated. Yeah. You want to do it, and it's over. You know, it's done. It's more yeah. like that. So my thought initially it was like that, mm-hmm. and instead of uh, just holding me back, they were like, do it one or two times, finish off your craze, and then once you're over and done with it, we'll get back to work. Yeah, but. that didn't happen and the moment they saw how i was getting serious into it and they saw how better i was getting at it they actually started you know their only concern and then their oath that they made me take was for my safety their only concern was my safety so no matter what i did their whole idea was that you know safety should be my priority over anything else right yeah so which film was your first break uh, that you got your first break I think it was between um, Veer Zara and uh, Boot, or even Love Hero, Love Story of a Spy, Preeti Zinta and Sunny Deol. Okay, and at that time you were around twelve years. That time, the thirteen. 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 And which one? Which one was that? Uh, for which you gave the audition for? For Ashwara Rai. This was a Nakshatra oh. ad at that time. Well, she just got Miss World. and um she, this was her first um thing that she was the brand ambassador for ah for nakshatra yeah, i do remember that okay yeah so my next question was actually related to the training how do you train yourself for these stunts i mean i understand the background now whatever you have mm-hmm. done and what kind of training you have done you have taken you know undertaken to improvise yourself but before every stunt that you perform for every, any film or any action sequence i'm sure you obviously might be getting the briefing from the director or or whoever the action director is but before performing those stunts uh, how do you train yourself i mean not just physically but even mentally how do you do that well i have developed uh, physically well i physically you can never train physically for a stand physically you have to always train yourself in terms of maintaining your fitness and your reflexes and your sharpness 
so that is one thing that i do on practice it on almost daily basis or i would say five to six times a week so this is one thing that i have you know kind of uh, followed up as my daily routine like mm-hmm. normally how people up and brush their teeth for me exercise is also a part of my daily routine my daily life it's as good as that so that is one thing and there is no one fixed form of workout that i do i do a lot of different forms of workouts so it re- it has really helped me with my body mm-hmm. with my mind i developed this on off switch there is this absolute i would call it as an on off switch so when okay. you're performing you cannot afford to be emotionally unstable or disturbed okay because that can actually be one of the core reasons for you to make a mistake all mistakes which are happening for you to unsee them and you know overlook upon them and make a mistake so that's where i love this on off switch okay so tell me something i mean uh, typically whenever any project is taken and be it any 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 field okay um, we typically do a poc you know proof of concept and just to try that okay if we do this then this is how it is going to get performed uh, if we do this this is how it is going to give you the results so for the stunt performances that you do uh mm. so i understood the training part but then before you actually go and perform those do you kind of do a kind of a rehearsal or something okay this is how we should do or this is how we should improvise before you actually give the final take uh yes there are a lot of rehearsals and there are so every project has a sketch line uh you know thought process of what the director is wanting then we put it onto a board a storyboard where how it can be achievable then there is a lot of physics and maths that comes into the picture in terms of you know uh, actually whether it is physically possible and if it isn't how can we make it possible what are the factors we can add in so yes there are a lot of uh, there is a lot of r&d and a lot of mathematics and physics that go into picture first on paper on board and uh, then we start executing it and then we start framing that entire set then we see like all right math is right physics is right but at the same time how physically it is uh, doable how much of it is practical mm-hmm. and how much of it is achievable and if it isn't what are the changes we should do what are the things we can add to it or how can we make this achievable so every time you see a spiderman movie or a krish three movie you know when you see things flying they don't they don't just fly out of no reason they fly because there is a lot of mechanics and a lot of you know uh, system that goes behind including the camera including the ropes pulleys and everything that goes behind in making that scene possible mm-hmm. okay so falling from uh, high buildings waterfalls cliffs bridges or you know maybe uh, high speed racing and crashing etc so i would have asked you kis mein darne lagta aapko but now i know that nahi aap on off switch you have that on off switch so <laughs> probably that is how you uh, manage but then kabhi aisa khayal aata hai ki what if something goes wrong and you get hurt aisa do you get those kind of uh, oh of course that i was the biggest pessimist at the age of 16 and it really hit me hard the same thought really hit me hard because i had seen many people getting paralyzed in front of me some people break their bones some people had you know uh, so i realized it at 16 and hence these were my other professions too mm-hmm. is uh, a stuntman just break his shin bone oh. on his left leg 
and that was due to a it was it was due to a dumb mistake simple as this it was due to a dumb mistake okay now the first mistake that was be it whatever the whole recovery process took him 6 months so 6 mm. months he was out of work out and of after 6 months after his full recovery you know initially he would be able to jump from 10 feet and roll and get up and move yeah. after the full recovery of the shin bone also he wasn't able to jump even from 5 feet no so that you know and such incidences which you know kind of uh, kept on repeating and you know i would learn from each incidents i would learn from each mistake not of mine but from others also. and uh, that's exactly where i realized that you know how long or what if something ever that kind of a thing happened to me what would i do hmm. so that's exactly where i realized that you know i need to have certain alternative forms of professions also and that's where i started studying exercise physiology and nutrition that was my first uh, alternative uh, career that i started and i started practicing fitness from the age of 18 i started training people i started going over to their places i was training them big time and nutrition went hand in hand because it really helped people when you work when someone's getting onto you know a fitness zone it really helps them you know you have to teach them to also eat right because what goes in is what shows on your body no matter how hard you work out so it's not always the hardcore killer workout it's also what you feed your body so that really went hand in hand for me and i right. gained a good amount of experience exposure and different kinds of people from a kid ranging at 5 year old to an old adult ranging at 80 year old i was training a vast group of people by then and it really you know i mean that's one of the reasons i had that as i grew further i wanted to also uh, the reason i picked up hypnotherapy was because that's this stance and fitness training is too much of hustling you see and after a point in time maybe in the future what if i can't hustle so you know mm-hmm. the thought as you had this thought to what if something happens like that what if i can't just uh, continue this or let's say something happens in the stance where and i can't do the fitness training then what is it that i can do right. and that is so instead of instead of you know picking up a course and then studying further with that damaged self of mine i'd rather pick up and study something when my age is at hand and you know when with a younger age you can actually grasp more uh, contact con- uh, context of the subject rather than uh, not or maybe at a later age yes you can but at a earlier age your synapses are still good and you can you know study better so that's where i realized at the age of 23 i wanted to study clinical hypnotherapy because it really is not just hypnotherapy it works largely on the mind and beyond okay so i started practicing that from the age of 23 and uh, yes that's how it's been going so this uh, hypnotherapy is uh, typically being used on what kind of patients is it is it uh, um uh, you know performed on normal people as well who are suffering for from some sort of uh, anxiety or some uh, uh you know neurological disorder or something like that or or it is on specific people only so hypnotherapy is performed on vast group of people it uh, it starts from absolute normal individuals to extreme cases of physical disorders and psychological disorders it works with uh, two different level of people and uh, extreme people it can work upon and it is working not only upon it's not something where i work upon you it is the person working upon themselves through the power of mind okay 
Okay. So that is the Russian method of clinical hypnotherapy. And uh, yes, what the kind of things that it can do is it can help deal with anxiety, emotional disorders, marriage issues, marital issues. It can work with a lot of physical issues and physical ailments, chronic pains. If you've heard of people having chronic pains with no matter how much of a painkiller they take, the pain is still constant. So it really works on chronic ailments. It works on... Uh, regenerating your own organs it beautifully works on that it also works on uh, easy childbirth so these days if you've heard uh, there were initially there were only normal uh, you know deliveries that would happen for women and now if you hear it is completely contrast and there are yes. you know barely as if there are no normal deliveries ever happening exactly so exactly Uh, so if you find that if you go to any private hospital, you would only find C-sections. Yeah. If you take a data, their private hospitals, they would never, I mean, out of maybe thousand C-sections, they might have one, maybe a normal delivery just to show on record kind of a thing. Yeah. So hypnotherapy is one thing that comes into place and changes that entire concept of women giving uh, birth to a child can be painful. It changes the entire concept of pain to pleasure. Okay. Okay. So it makes it changes your entire you enjoy and you know uh, you enjoy and love the process of giving birth rather than thinking of it as oh my god what's happening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yes that at that so if it can change a labor pain which is equal to breaking 250 bones in your body at the same time yeah. the highest disability the body can bear if it can change that the that level of pain point to pleasure think about what else can it do so this procedure is done uh, at that specific time or it is over the period of time you know that uh, is done okay and over the period of time it is there are pre sessions that we do before uh, childbirth so let's mm-hmm. say a woman who comes to me for uh, hypnobirthing it's called hypnobirthing and okay. uh, let's say comes to me for hypnobirthing i would rather have her come to me when she is 4 months pregnant and you know start at least have a five sessions before she actually gets into labor okay okay so this is all about deconditioning the first session is only about deconditioning the mind yeah this the is second session first time uh, i'm hearing this uh, this entire phenomenon you know this for the first hmm. time i'm hearing this and oh, you know, yes. everywhere mostly it is c section only and uh, nowhere you know uh, the normal uh, childbirth is being done maybe one or two yeah. maybe very rare you would hear it about yeah. hear about and now because women are getting more uh, conscious about it and people are understanding the side effects of the c section also the three month of pain and the you know the whole process that you yourself also as an individual go through so yeah. when people have that is where you know people are looking at more alternative uh, ways of doing it So how come there is not much of a promotion being done for this uh, entire process? I I don't see that you know even this uh, uh, hypnobirthing you said right hypnobirthing. So uh, yes, I don't think it is being you know promoted as much as it should have been you know like any other process. Yes. So uh, well, when you do a C section in a hospital. the c section in a hospital causes you a minimum a lakh and a half yeah hypnobirthing causes you nothing but 10 to 15k yeah yeah so now tell me give me one good reason <laughs> what should be yeah 
understand normal in a normal hospital would cost you like around 50 grand where in yeah. in the same hospital it would be a lakh more for c section absolutely That's so yeah. like why it is not promoted and plus in india there is not much awareness in abroad yes there are classes and you know actually women are uh, you know pushed towards only normal birth yeah, and yeah. c section oh very rare or very something that went really wrong is where a c section is done okay so that was sanobar pardiwala india's only marvel stunt woman artist of bollywood who also is a biker a fitness trainer a nutritionist a mental health coach and a clinical hypnotherapist thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the podcast show canada talks with bharat vee if you like the show please do like subscribe and share with others if listening on apple podcast do not forget to rate five stars If on Spotify or YouTube, do not forget to subscribe and share. All the bikers can listen to this podcast episode on bikersclub.in. इसके साथ हम आज का सफर यहीं समाप्त करते हैं। बातों का सिलसिला जारी रहेगा with Sanobar Pardiwala in our next episode of Candid Talks with Bharat V. Stay home, stay safe. This is Bharat Vatsa signing off for today. दुआओं में याद रखना, जय हिंद.